Welcome back to Sweat and Grime, everybody. It's your host, Brian, and with me, we've got Rick, and we have added a third seat to the podcast officially. Let's everyone welcome Matt, Matt motherfucking Totten. What's up, guys? <laughs> and we've got another special guest in the house tonight. So we actually have my dad, David Furness. Uh, and and just to establish that this this interview is not taking place purely from nepotism, uh, <laughs> would you like to give us a bit of background on on what you do? Because tonight's topic is managing debt and kind of being smart with money as you grow your company. So can you kind of lay out some of your previous experiences with that? Sure, happy to do that. So glad to be with you guys. Um, I've uh, most of my career has been in banking actually. So started out of college in uh, banking and. Uh, Became the chief operation officer and chief financial officer of a bank and uh, was there for 11 years. Got recruited out of there by a nationwide bank consulting company. So that's really where I feel like my my real education occurred because I got to travel the country and work with banks all over, uh, good, bad, ugly, and really got to learn how high performers think and what they do right and what what uh, low performers do wrong. That's so, awesome. Yeah, so it was uh, really good, really good uh, for my career in education. So was there for 12 years, um, actually in between the bank and the consulting career, started my first business, uh, took, uh, took all my uh, life savings that I'd saved for, always been fiscally conservative, so saved money for 11 years, sold my house, took all the equity out of the house, started my first business, and a year later, it was all gone. Man. And uh, we were living in a barn and bathing <laughs> in a creek, and uh, so- uh, great. Living in a van down by the river. It, it, it was, was right. It was, and it was some of our best memories, too. It is. You know, it's uh, it, it and you just learn a lot that way. I, I, I'm a collector of quotes. One of them is- uh, Mark Twain said, there's some lessons in life you can only learn one way, like picking up a cat by the tail. And, and that's, <laughs> sort of, that's sort of how that was. So, But, you know, my, my wife still loved me and stayed with me. My kids look back and they think that was some of the best times. So, that's awesome. Yeah, I learned some lessons I couldn't learn any other way. So anyway, I went to work for this bank consulting company, really got an education in uh, in uh, banking and uh, how high performers think. Uh, left there, started my own firm. Uh, we ended up putting together a debit card rewards program that was pretty unique in the industry. Uh, after two and a half years, we had uh, more banks on our debit rewards program than MasterCard and Visa combined. So a wow. uh, real, real fast ride there. Sold it, uh, uh, signed a four-year non-compete that kept me out of banking, started an electric fan company. Um, We ended up inventing fans to help people sleep, create a special kind of noise. We got a patent on that. Turns out not a lot of people wanted them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So there's a whole (laughs) lot of things that are good ideas that uh, in practice... uh, uh, you still you, using the fan today? Yeah, we do. I am. That's exactly. People that use them love them, but uh, <clears throat> but nobody ever heard of sleep fans and and uh, tough to uh, sell them. So anyway, we ended up partnering with a a large company and kind of uh, licensed our technology to them. And, and uh, then about nine years ago, uh, uh, there's a, a good sized bank consulting company headquartered in Lincoln, Nebraska, that works with banks all over the country and helps them grow. And uh, we put together an ESOP, an employee stock ownership program, and acquired that company. And I moved up to Lincoln for a while and, and uh, was, still am the CEO of that company. And we work with banks all over the country. If you were to add the, the uh, branch network of our current clients together, we'd be the seventh largest bank in the U.S. And, and what we do is we help them grow. We help them get a lot more customers. And, uh, you know, Brian and I were talking last night about perhaps some parallels that we'll discuss here. But, you know, when I 
when you think about a bank, most people think about, you know, an experience that's equivalent to going into the post office or the Department of Motor Vehicles or whatever. And one, one of my guys on my team says, what we do is we run around and teach banks how to be nice. So that's, <laughs> you know, people and, and uh, people make all the difference in the world. And your experience is, is very different at, uh, at a really good, well-run bank than it is at a poor one. And, and that's what we do is, is we, uh, we teach them uh, to have an experience that's spectacular when people come in. And then we send out party invitations. We do the marketing to get a lot more people coming in. Nice. So, Interesting. So, yeah, it's fun stuff. So, you know, obviously I'm a little biased because you're my father. But I feel like over the years watching you, you've been largely successful at starting businesses as and getting them successful and then passing them along. And so one of the things that we we actually touched on a little bit on our last podcast was growing a company uh, in the dirt world, but any of the trades really, because it's a it's a pretty capital intensive business, especially when you're doing you know anything that involves a machine. That's a lot of money out. You're also putting a lot of money out for materials that you're not going to see back for a while. And so Tonight's discussion is really how do you manage debt as you grow as a company in a smart way? Because you have to get you have to go into debt. I mean, it's, it's very rare that you're able to get into this industry with a stockpile of cash. And so, how do you go about figuring out where that line is to where you're taking on too much risk, and and when is it too deep to go? And you know, how do you kind of skirt the edge there? Uh, I guess I'd start with the answer maybe in a little bit of a weird spot. So. Uh, I, I mentioned my first business, I failed miserably and lost everything. But I learned a lot of really, really valuable lessons in doing that. The, the key lesson was nothing happens until somebody sells something. And so it's about generating revenue ultimately. And <clears throat> where, where I failed is I thought uh, in my first business, let's put together the best product. Let's have a really good, you know, there's a, Another saying out there that, that uh, build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door, that's an abject lie. That is not true at all. <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we built great fans, and we had yeah. to work our butts off yeah, to, to sell them, to right? Sell. So, so I think when you start thinking about the business, business structures, debt, how much debt to take on, I think the first thing you really got to be really honest about is how much revenue am I going to be able to generate, Right. And it's really easy to get over your skis there and be too optimistic. Mm -hmm. And generating revenue, making sales, talking to people, uh, networking with people, it, it's hard. Yeah. It's really, really hard. It is tough. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I think there's a lot of people, I, I think doing good work is hard too. But that's the part that I think internally you can kind of control, right? You can decide what, what the quality of your work and how you're going to do it and all of that. But I think the part that really people underestimate is just how hard it is to talk to people, sales, if you will. I, I think of myself as a terrible salesperson, but that's where I, I evangelize. I can get behind an idea and a product, and then I'm happy to talk to people about it. Yeah. But look, if you don't want it, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go find someone else that it, wants it, this really nice product. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where you got to get to. Is so, so I think the first thing is being realistic about what kind of revenues you can generate. And that's sort of the starting point for everything is, is I got to be able to generate revenue first. So before you start jumping out there and taking a lot of big risks and getting yourself in debt, <clears throat> you know, I'd counsel, figure out first – you know, rent equipment, I, and I'm not in the equipment business, right? So you guys are. 
so I don't know that space, but but first, you know, can you rent equipment? Can you partner with someone else? But first, figure out if I can start to generate some revenue sure. versus uh, taking on a ton of debt. So um, I do think when it's equipment, you do have an advantage that uh, – so most of the businesses that I've been in have not been capital intensive. They haven't been equipment-based. Um, but nonetheless, if you want to grow them with any kind of speed, you got to take on debt. And so uh, I have a way I think about debt, um, but at least with a capital-intensive business, you've got an asset that you can sell if things don't go well. Yeah. yeah. In a non-capital-intensive business, you, you're you, just sunk. You've just sunk. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. And if you want to touch on stuff, hey, hey, wrong. By the way, we do sound effects. <laughs> <You got> it. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to touch on when you get further in depth here, uh, good debt, bad debt, so people understand what debt is, and you know certain debt. It's Not good, all debt is equal. Good debt that makes you money isn't yeah. a bad thing to look at yeah. versus a maxed out credit card. Absolutely. That's not, yeah. No capital is horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so I, I will say uh, something that I feel like I have learned along the way, too, is is I was always really, really fiscally conservative. Never take any big chances, big risks kind of thing. Both my grandfathers worked at the same company for 40 years, blue collar guys, got the gold, you know, got the watch at the end, did the retirement. My dad was career military, so all safe, comfortable job yeah. with a paycheck, right? <clears throat> and that was sort of my view of the world. And in fact, when I first started at the bank, my whole worldview was I'm going to work there for 40 years and I'll retire from that bank, right? Yeah, and here you are now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so. <laughs> Uh, had an event that, that caused me to rethink all that. And, and uh, actually, uh, share a little more, was, uh, was uh, at a, a church sermon where the pastor said he, he had read a survey of uh, where they interviewed people that were at the very end of their lives, right, 80-plus years old, and they asked them, what are your key regrets? And the number one key regret was, I didn't take enough risk in life. And I thought, you know, I'm a young man, you're a kid at that point, and I'm going, I don't want to answer that question that way when I'm in my yeah. 80s. Yeah. So, All the what-ifs and I should have done, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if only I'd tried that, if only I'd taken a little risk. And, and uh, again, you know, being a dumb kid, I jumped off the high dive and lost everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, tried But you it. learned from it. Oh, man. Absolutely. It just, yeah, absolutely. The, the, the part that was seared into me was – I had really thought about going into business thinking about the product, how I was going to do it and how I was going to deliver it. <clears throat> I'd probably spent 5% of the cycles on how I'm going to sell it and generate revenue, yeah. right? How I'm going to get revenue coming in. And so that got seared into me. If I'm ever going to try that again, well, you got to figure out that piece. Uh, you got to figure out that piece quick. So. Um, so yeah, different types of debt. I agree. There's good debt and bad debt. I do think in business, Debt can be a very, very effective tool. This company that we acquired, we had to uh, had to go into a lot of debt to to buy this company, um, and you know we don't have assets anywhere near the debt. Mm -hmm. So it was uh, <clears throat> you got to make it, you got to start growing in order to uh, in order to pay it. But I guess I would say, in terms of taking on debt, yeah, credit card debt. Uh, man, there's a lot of small businesses that start that way. I guess I would say you could take a, a small bite at the first piece of that, but boy, that's a that's a slippery slope. Yeah. So 
you know, you start taking on too much of that, and and you you it's not a matter of just I've lost what cash I had. Now all of a sudden you're behind everything. So yeah. I think you you got to really really think hard about that. And it's tough to catch up. It is, man. Well, I think if you take advantage of it, though, like on a small scale, because I was one of those guys that took on the debt Mm -hmm. with a credit card. Mm -hmm. I didn't swipe (laughs) debt for like the machines. A lot of my tools and stuff were paid for. But taking on a job like in the contractor world, you would do so much work and you'd only take like 25% up front, another 25 when you first started. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I would use that credit card for fuel and supplies that I needed, but I would start taking the money. As I took the money, I would pay that credit card off before you got down to 30 days, realizing that I don't want to pay interest on money I'm borrowing, but I'm borrowing against the clock, racing it. So I could see where you're saying, because I had a couple months where I had to make the minimum payment. I'm like, oh, you know, I just lost 250 bucks this month by borrowing money. Right. Because the banker don't sleep. Right, right. right. No, well, that's right. And another aspect to think about too is, you know, yes, for small stuff initially doing a credit card, high interest rate. Okay, that's, you You can kind of start there. But the other thing to think about is when you start, if you really need a line of credit to do business, there are far better ways to borrow money at much lower rates than a credit, than a credit card. card. Yeah, And, you know, so you might want to go down the path of thinking about, do I need to open some sort of line of credit either, you know, with the landscape supply place or with whoever I'm buying materials from, or do I need to, you know, I wouldn't advise anyone do this necessarily, but you know, whether it's a home equity line of credit or something with a lower interest rate where you're not hard up against a wall with a 25% rate on the money. Mm-hmm. And that's another really big thing, thing to think about. So yeah, uh, one thing. So Rick talked about, you know, his use of credit card debt was a timing difference. Sure, it, it wasn't going off the high dive and saying, "Man, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna find out six see where we go." Yeah, exactly. Right. And on a whim, that's that's uh, that's a way to get into trouble. I, I will say too, I'm biased doing what I do work. Right, I work with community banks all over the country. Um, I've I've traveled a fair bit. Uh, internationally and we've got a unique banking system in america every place else has a few big banks and they work well with big companies and in america you've got all these community banks so i i would encourage people to go talk to your small community bank and don't everybody will think about going into the bigs and you're talking about like credit unions so, or some of like that yeah like credit unions, well, local banks here yep. one of one of my clients is here here in the howl right. and they're a local small community bank right. and you know, they're closer to the market. And I'll tell you, a, a good banker can help someone think about debt. Well, I need yeah. to find the good bankers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I, now it's funny to listen to you come from that yep. perspective, right? I walked into the, I walked into my bank and they told me to get bent. I told them what I was going to use the money for. I went to, I won't name them off, but four different branches, a couple credit unions. And a, couple it was a big, big one? Bigger or small one? Yeah, I went to some of the big banks around here and a couple of credit unions. And when I told them what I was going to do going into business, they were ready to give me like a $20,000 personal loan used for personal assets. But Mm -hmm. when I started explaining what I was going to do, everybody basically pulled the reins back and they're like, get bent. Yeah. So the one machine I actually bought, I took out the loan for the personal and kind of just transitioned everything and took it in side shuffle whatever so no yeah. i will say rick i was more than happy to put you in debt 
I didn't give I didn't give you any shit hook, about hook going line to the and dad. hook line and absolutely. Sinker. I was like, you load that baby up. <laughs> but that commission but that, when you got when you get looking at the assets and the rental fees. I was foolish not to take that one machine on in a payment versus the rental rate yeah. that I was going. Yeah. I mean. See, but implied in what you just said is you already knew you could generate the business. That's when you do good oh, math went, as it relates to debt. I went and sold work before I bought this thing. Yeah. I and wasn't that's super huge. Huge. Absolutely. That's huge. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I wasn't going to just take on something and like, oh, great. I got this big ass $2,000 a month payment plus all the other costs. Yeah. yeah. I'm like. I got to hit the ground running with feed the beast kind of attitude. Yeah. So when I hit the ground, I mean, I work balls to the wall yeah. seven days a week for eight months straight. And finally, my wife's like, hey, yeah. we going to go on vacation <laughs> here? I'm like, we got money? Like, you know? Yeah. It was a big weight to lift for a minute. But, yeah, yeah, no, I get what you're saying when you start talking about going in and trying to get either a line of credit or talk about the equity. Because a lot of the guys, when they do start getting in, I want to say into business, a lot of the guys, they're walking away from a job that they were just sick of. And whether they're renting a house or they bought a house with not a lot of equity starting mm-hmm. out these days, because a lot of people either got some kind of financial debt tied to them, whether it's student loans or, you know, they had a bankruptcy or something else. So if somebody was not to get off topic, but for like a little guy trying to get out there that follow us a lot. What would you kind of advise to them that they couldn't when they couldn't just walk right into the bank and say, "Give me a twenty thousand dollar credit line"? Because it took me two years to build up credit for like diesel fuel and my accounts at the supply stores. Like I had to go in there because no one was going to give me sixty days to pay my bill. It was cold hard cash where mm-hmm. you don't get the product. So what would you kind of advise somebody kind of getting into the industry of any aspect of construction? To get started. Yeah. So first off, back to the bank. Banks are not, uh, they're not private equity companies. They they make money by not taking very much risk. So your banker is going to be helpful to you after you've already kind of started to establish yourself, right? You know, they're numbers folks. So they're going to need to see, here's what I've been able to generate. I've been able to do it, as you said, for two or three years. That's when the bank's going to be able to help you really accelerate and, and they'll help you take on what I think of as wise debt, right? You, you're already at this level. You can see the opportunity to go to the next level, but it's going to take money to do it. That's when your community bank can can really help. So <clears throat> in terms of the guy starting out, that's where it's really, really hard, right? Yeah, that's because, where I'm at. Yeah. yeah you no know, one wants to take a risk. No, they don't. No one wants to take a risk. And they went down the same road. Yeah. And Three, four where, banks. Knocking on the doors. Yeah. They just looked at me. Where's your business plan? Where's this? Yeah. I was furloughed. Wasn't getting a paycheck. You know, they're like, where's all this money? Your bank account was at this. Now it's at this. I'm like, well, I'm using that to live off of as I'm getting myself started. Yeah. And then, you know, listen to them kind of be nervous about me going into business on myself, mm-hmm. you know, by myself. It made me nervous. Like, am I doing the wrong thing? You know, and then trying to reach out. And finally, I got a bank that took me on mm-hmm. and- it's been great. You know, they've been helpful, but then it's still the stressful. Like they want you to take on credit line, you know, here, here's a credit card. I'm like, Nope, you know what? I don't need that yet. Mm-hmm. You know, give me next year once I figure things out and so on and so forth. But yeah, like being a little guy, it's scary. Well, that is, that's a valid question is for, for someone who's kind of on the cusp of really wanting to start a business and grow it. But you, you are in that situation. You don't have consistent income. You are working off of your savings just to live. 
as a banker, do you have advice for kind of a way to, you know, you're never going to be 100% successful because it totally depends on the guy sitting behind the lending desk. But do you have some advice for people of potential routes to maybe get some help on the funding side? At, when you're first starting out? When you're out, first starting out. You know, <clears throat> my advice there is, is not banking side. My advice is just from the personal side. When when we started the first business that didn't work, uh, we sold our house. We had a nice house, modest house, but it was a nice house. I had, you know, 40, 50 grand in equity had built up in it and, and uh, sold it. The the one wise move, I didn't make any wise moves on the business front, but the one wise move that I made on the personal front is we moved into a barn. Yeah. We cut our expenses. And and I'll tell you, one of the things I've seen as a banker is very, very difficult for people to make lifestyle changes. And so, yeah. so yeah. I would say if you're going to take on risk on that side, you got to be willing to make the sacrifice on the other side. You got to be well. able to face reality. Absolutely. So, And I mean, that kind of answers the question what I was getting at, especially from that perspective, what you had to do. Cause a lot of these guys are 30 days away from not being able to make their next bill cycle. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. um, for some of the people that are listening or whatever, I mean, you, you have to have a nest egg of a few months kind of runway. Yeah. Agreed. You know, and then start kind of using a credit card to get into start building some kind of line of credit and capital. And, you know, I, I run into people that are 23, 25 years old, Never had a credit at all, no credit card, and they go in to get a car, and they're like, I can't buy a car. Right, right. You know, so I think that's when people need to start realizing what you might want to touch on here of, like, what is good debt and what is bad debt, personal side, maybe business side. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think good debt is to finance things that you have to have to grow the business, but only after you figured out and have a reasonable degree of confidence that you can generate the revenue to Make support it, it. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it's you're just doing it on a on a prayer and a whim. Yeah, hopes and, and dreams. Yeah, exactly. The, the other thing I'd say, too, is, um, you know, when you start a business, you end up with a lot of expenses that you don't even know you're going to have. And so... Talk to a lot of people that are that have gone on that path before you, right? So um, I helped a painting company uh, a number of years ago, and and they were they were about to go bust, and they had uh, not only had they tapped out all their credit cards, but they hadn't paid their payroll taxes in a year. Ooh. And so literally, these guys are about to you know have houses taken and maybe go Man to. Up here. <laughs> so, uh, and they were good people, mm-hmm. and and I would say they were actually as painting contractors. They were good painting contractors. Yeah, the way they bid their jobs was horrible. When you dig into the number, you know, you do have to bring a a numbers mindset to this, mm-hmm. right? You you can't just sort of put your thumb in the air and go that feels right or. Uh, I, I tell you another thing that I think a lot of people do at first, and I, I'm sure in the trades is the same way, is, well, I need to bid that to get that job. Well, there's also, not only is there good debt and bad debt, there's good business and bad business, yes, too. Yeah. Yep. I learned and that so, off the bat. Yeah. You, I was going to say, how hard are you sweating over there, Matt? <laughs> I'm actually feeling pretty <laughs> good. This, this, is, right? this is what I need. <laughs> you know, we're, we're busting him into the podcast, and he's about a foot out the door with the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but I think that's a great point that you talk about right there. And just to stop for just a second, is a lot of people, 
don't do the logistics homework of what is their actual cost. Yes. Like I could go in and I'm not going to rattle off numbers, but I could go in to the day when I bring in five guys in a machine, what I'm turning for the day just in cost. Absolutely. And a lot yep. of people, they just go into, they think a thousand dollars for a day is a lot of money. They just, they jump at it, not realizing it's $982 today for my cost. Yeah. And you worked a 10 hour day and made five yeah, bucks. And my truck, yeah. my truck has to go back, yeah. you know, to the shop because I forgot something. They don't realize they just seen the, they just seen the dollar sign, but they didn't break down. And I think that's a part of a lot of the stuff when it comes to numbers is just crunching it on paper. And cause if you could crunch numbers with the calculator, it doesn't lie. Yeah. And like you said, when it comes to sales and revenue, if you can't make the numbers grow and understand what you're sell- selling, I mean, you're 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 in a shipwreck. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, one of the things that that uh, I think you got to get your mind around is 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 some of the best things you can do is jettison opportunity if it's not the right opportunity. You so, elaborate yeah. on that. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> there's a lot of business out there. I've I've well, one of the things that I think I've learned along the way is where I always want to play is in the quality space. That's where I want to play in anything I'm going to do. So mm-hmm. I'm never going to be the cheapest. Uh, in fact, most of the time in anything I've done in the last 20 years of my life has always been, we're going to be the highest quality and the, the most expensive, but you, we're going to deliver with excellence. And so um, you got to really keep your eye on the margins of what you do. You know, what are the margins that I'm going to make? And the hardest thing to do in particular when you're starting out is to say, no, I'm not going to take that business. That business yeah. is just not where I need to be. Yep. But but you got to focus. You only have so much energy, right? Yeah. And uh, so much time. And and so you got to focus on the places where where you can make some money, where you can get some bang for the buck, not just not just work. Yeah. And I and we talked a little bit about this last night. I think that's one of the places where the trades in particular really struggle um, because it has really turned into a race to the bottom business. It's who can get in there, get it done the fastest and the cheapest. And Hey, here's, here's my low bid right here. This is yep. where you get the job. And, you know, on state contracts and stuff, there's, unfortunately, there's not a good way around that. Unless like we talked about on the last podcast, you, you do the low bid knowing you're going to get change orders and you can yeah. inflate it on the back end. But I think on the private sector, on the residential side, uh, I do think that's where the, the industry, the skilled trades in general needs to take some time to either educate themselves or take some classes or get online and find some resources on how to sell value. Mm-hmm. You know, don't go in there just saying, hey, here's my bottom line. Am I the cheapest? It's no, here's my price mm-hmm. and I'm not going to negotiate with you about it. I don't care what Joe Blow does. Mm-hmm. Here's some examples of the work that I do. These are the sort of things that I take into account that these other guys aren't thinking about. And a prime example, we talked about it last podcast, is the is the job that Rick and I just did. We were by far the highest bid on that one, right, Rick? Mm-hmm. But the homeowner went with us how did you get the homeowner to go with us? What what did what was that conversation? I just basically walked in there and I I just told him what was up and I pointed out what what the problem was. I addressed it, went through all the flaws. I could right away just tell walking through the yard because of the experience. You got a severe water issue that you're not going to make run uphill. Um, just a lot of the excavating that I've been around, I've noticed that the water was a foot higher than the yard. And there was no other option but to 
force this water to leave. Mm -hmm. And once I basically walked him through the steps and told him what was going to do, I said, this is going to cost you a shitload of money, man. Mm -hmm. And be real. Honesty is another great <laughs> factor that goes a best. long and way. The best. Yeah. And I and I and I flat yep. out told him, I said, you need to go get some other bids. I'm not going to be your cheapest mm -hmm. bid when it comes to this. Mm -hmm. I advised him to get some other bids because we were dealing with some severe issues that could come back on me. Mm -hmm. So to get my experience and to bring my value to the job and the situation that the guy was in. I mean, I just flat out told him what it was. He called me, what, three days later? Yeah. It he's was a like, quick turnaround. Yeah, he's like, I called a couple other dudes. He's like, you just knew what the fuck you were doing. Mm -hmm. I'm confident in the way you were. Because when I, when I, maybe not on the podcast, but when I come out to a dirt job, I know my shit, mm -hmm. and I am very confident, very accurate, right to the point. So As long as no computers are involved, yeah. Rick does pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to talk dirt man or anything to do with underground, I can roll it. Uh, Same with the dirty. numbers. But, you know, when the techie stuff is, Brian runs away with it a little bit. But, I mean, that's really what sold the job. He calls me back. I signed him up, and I delivered. I told him I was going to be here this day to collect the deposit. And he's, well, why so much? I said, this is my price. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, what's the hourly cost? What's the, what's the material cost? I said, this is my price Yeah, for me to do the job or I'm not going to do your job. And mm -hmm. I dropped the ball right there. And as I, I told him again, I said, you need to call a couple other people. So I actually deleted his message on my phone, not realizing that he was going to text me the next day. He's like, hey, I'm ready to start. And I'm like, who's this? <laughs> because I I gave him the information and I told him to just hit the road. Yep. And yeah. I mean, it was a fucked up job. There was no yeah. good way to go about it. But then you were vetting them out. Yeah. Yeah. And I told him, and I, when it comes to issues like that, obviously I got the upper hand on a lot of stuff because I do know my shit when mm -hmm. it comes there. So mm -hmm. you, have to, you also have to establish your value. Because it took you 25 years to get this value. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you do the job in three hours or two days. People will be like, you're charging me that much money for that. Yeah, but it took me 25 fucking years, $400,000 later in business mm -hmm. to come fix your problem. And and just kind of along the lines of what you're saying, I do want to specify too, when you're going out to bid a job like that, there there is a difference between bad-mouthing someone who has put in a bid mm -hmm. versus talking about the flaws in the way that they're going to approach. Oh yeah. The, and that's one of the reasons we got the job is because he mentioned that one of the other contractors wanted to fill the yard and it wasn't, Oh, that's a shit idea. That guy doesn't you know, know what the fuck he's talking about. Instead it's, well, here's the problem with that. This is what I'm seeing, and this is why I'm coming at it from the angle I am. And if you can sell the, the, whatever the customer is, whatever trade yes. you're in, if you can sell the customer that, Hey, I'm not bad mouthing this contractor, but because I have experience and I've been in this situation before, I know this isn't going to work. And that's why I'm taking the approach Correct. I am. And that's why this price is what it is. Yep. Now you're selling the value. Well, it, it's not a race to the bottom. And that's why I told him, I said, are you are you looking to pinch pennies and save your money? Because I'm a homeowner, too. Or are you looking to solve a problem? And that's I mean, that's the value there, because he's like the one guy said he could run a hydraulic uh, swale. I said, you can't push water uphill in a ditch. It's not going to happen. The other company, couple of companies come out and go, we know nothing about pumps. Yeah. So I'm building you a basically a pressurized pump system, 
taking your whole yard and the water issue that comes on. And get this, I was there just the other day, and his sump pump was constantly kicking on because of the water, groundwater. It was consistently <laughs> flowing about 10 gallons. This, sub, this sub pump hasn't kicked on since I installed this. Wow. So this dude's tickled to death, but you delivered. So not yeah. only did you deliver with the value, the guy was willing, willingly to pay the check at the end of the job. And he is just ecstatic. Absolutely. And that and that's what sells you. Because here's the thing. Someone else calls and he recommends you or tells you whatever that goes on, you deliver. And that's I think that's where you got to start. When you deliver, I don't care what the price point is, you better deliver with the highest price point of your value for the dollar match of what you're asking. Mm-hmm. So So you did you did two things there that I've also found in my career in, in trying businesses. So the first is you talked about your experience and knowledge. So I've always been a believer, you know, don't try to be everything to everybody. Get really good at something. Whatever it is you're going to do, get really become the best at it. Yep. <clears throat> so that's the first. The second one is you had the balls to say I'm really good at this and I'm I'm going to deliver, but I'm going to charge a fair price for this. And I I, I'm confident in that. Yeah. And I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to go to the bottom. I'm, you're either going to, we're either going to do business at this way, at this rate. high quality, at this rate. Or I'm driving high home to the next job. Exactly. Or well, and I'll I think on. that's where you got to understand when you're delivering a price and somebody goes, well, can you do it for X? You have to be able to look at it and go, am I talking a couple hundred dollars? you know, which is irrelevant at this point, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or are you talking a couple thousand dollars when you realize you could be on another job? And like you said before, the word no. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when I, when you first get into business, you don't know the word no, you're scrambling, right? right. You're grabbing every shirt tail dollar that runs by. It wasn't part of my vocabulary until about two months ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and everyone, yeah. in yeah. all honesty, in all fairness, for any of the listeners that are out there going, Oh, I got to, well, well, I'm do, I'm screwing up. Everybody yeah. does that. Everyone yeah. starts at the beginning, sc- scrapping for everything yep. you can get. But you do, and we, we talked about it a little bit last week, where you do get to a point where all of a sudden you kind of have this inner revelation of what your value is. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say that conversation you were just talking about is a great way to vet your customer. You know, when you when you get to that, look, I'm not the cheapest, and I'm not going to negotiate. Not only is that establishing the authority of, look, I know what I'm talking about and there's a reason I'm charging this price. That's also calling out your customers Mm -hmm. because the cheap asses are going to walk. Yep. And that tells you, you didn't lose something there. They weren't worth your time. Correct. And the, the, the value there for you is recognizing that yeah. and not thinking about it as, oh, shit, I just lost that job. But, and that's really hard to do. It's it really is. easy to talk about in a podcast. Yeah. Yes. But when you look at your business and your mortgage and your family you're trying to provide for, that's really hard Absolutely. to do. But that's Absolutely. when you learn to be comfortable, uncomfortable. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, like, look at that job in Grand Blank that you were up there uh, when we were dropping those trees around that six million, eight million dollar house, yeah, I mean we were landing bombs <laughs> in this yard, and they went with us just just from the fear. This, uh, sorry, they sorry, went, take a deep <clears throat> breath. Take a deep breath. They they went with us just because <laughs> of the bold 
confidence that I had when I walked into the job. (laughs) (laughs) And I I sold the job by just going, I know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. Do you have insurance? And I don't hand them my insurance. I have the insurance company ship a cert over. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to be like, here's a printed off copy. Oh, here, let me Mm -hmm. get this to you. Photoshop. And and these, yeah. (laughs) That's right. But you got to also start realizing the Along Cal- with my COVID vaccine card. <laughs> Careful. Oh, don't even go there. We got to preach go it now. Back off. But you, you got to start, you got to start realizing the caliper of the customer too, that you're dealing with. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when you see how bold this house was, it looked like a castle in the yard that it was. They weren't really concerned about the lowest bid. They're looking for somebody right. that could come in and not fuck up their house. Yeah, not fuck up the yeah. house, service the job, yeah. not mess up the yard. And I mean, you should have seen it by the time I was done with that yard. Everything was down on the ground. And I tried to warn them how much damage is going to be here when we're done and how much how much wood was going to be left at the end of the job. That following year, we had to move and I said this is a bad idea. It's going to destroy your driveway. And we're going to create so much mud and ruts. You know, we destroyed it from mm-hmm. the volume of it. But at the end, you know, we came up with a game plan. We still got to go back two years later and clean it up. But it's the service and it's the, it's the caliper that you're talking about with the people. You got you to also understand your customer when you're delivering the boldness and the price points too. Absolutely. Well, and the thing there that is is related, but but a lot of times in the trades you don't even think about is you've been in constant communication with that customer because you did mention it's been two years. It yep. has been a long fucking time since you started yep. that job. But because there's been constant communication and there's been clarity that, hey, I'm not leaving you high and dry. This yep. is why I can't come in and do it. They've been pretty accepting with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, and they also acknowledge why I had to shut down due to the water. I mean... We had to move a shitload of wood that was going to demolish your driveway. And uh, I told him, I said, we can't clean this up. I'll make it like a park-like setting, but it can't rain no more. So we would typically do it in August. And then we had this year. This year. We had this record year (laughs) of rain. Wet. But you you reach back and you check back in. Yeah. Communication is important. You know? Really important. Number one. Yeah. It's how I keep customers, you know, and return. And the trades, unfortunately- are terrible at it. Yeah. They cannot communicate to save their life. Well, every time Dick and Harry wants to get in business, it's two men in a pickup. It's a joke that goes around forever. Yeah. And they hodgepodge and they'll they'll go out there doing it for five hundred bucks when they could have been back to work making three hundred, taking the risk without the insurance and not realizing the value of what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. They just did it for nothing. Yeah. And I don't think anybody that's gonna be wise with money and get ahead down the road, whether Business related, trade related, or personal. If you can't make your money work for you and move money, you're not going to fucking go nowhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've done that. You know, I started out just a couple of years ago, and you know, I I took the lowest bid. You know, I was the lowest bidder, but I did a 360 in their house. You know, and I'm in a whole different field than you guys are. But I I saw the value that I could make. You know, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this backsplash. Let's say. And I charged me hundred bucks or whatever. And it probably should have been a five thousand dollar job, whatever. You know? I was gonna say, and we're about to do a backsplash. Can I maybe <laughs> talk to you after the I got podcast? Your back. <laughs> no friends or family fees though. No, but uh, you know, then I, I saw that all right, they want their master bath done. And then after them seeing the quality I mm-hmm. did, the personable, you know, you know, mm-hmm. feel that I gave them, you know, I became family with them and all of a sudden that 
that, you know, every customer I've touched that that's, I'm their guy, mm-hmm. you know? And so I saw like, yeah, I'm a little bit on this, but you know, they're going to feel that the confidence and the quality mm-hmm. that they're getting that in the future, you know, it may not be next week, but it could be next year. And then another five years. And you know, the, these people they'll grow with you and you'll grow with them and they'll keep you afloat, you know? So taking a low bid isn't always bad at some point, but putting yourself in debt to take a job is horrible. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? I was going to say there's a very fine yeah. line there because I, <laughs> exactly. I, to an extent I agree, but you have to be very careful making all of your upfront investments because you think that something's going to happen yeah, in the future. And, yeah. and especially in the trades, yeah. you know, how often is someone going to need dirt work or how often is someone going to need a pole barn frame? Yep. Generally, it's not going to be in the next year. Yep, exactly. And so if you're making your entire first year doing all of these investments, yeah. you're going to be you're shit fucked. out of luck. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah. out of business. So yeah. there is a balance there. Correct. Now, when you, I would just touch on a point. When you, you said something that sticks in my mind for a minute, you said quality. Mm-hmm. When you talk about quality and get into a certain level in your life, there's a couple of things that I think that sets where the money dictates. And when you say quality, it's the comfort, it's the service, it's what you're going to get. And there's a sense of peace when, and it doesn't even come almost to the price point anymore. It's that this is going to service and this is going to perform what I'm looking for. And it meets your soul. It meets your needs. Mm -hmm. And then you don't question it no more. Correct. And I think that's what a lot of people are starting to grasp these days in this world with, so much social media and technology getting out there, people are starting to understand quality because they could YouTube and start looking at um, differences between like microphones, phones, certain, you know, any kind of contractors of the goods and the bads of like, do you hire this contractor? Do you not? Do you do with this banker? Do you mm-hmm. pull a loan? So, I mean, I don't, I don't think you could really put a dollar amount on a, on a quality service or product service. overall. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> and you, it's one thing to talk about it, but you got to deliver it. But when you do deliver it, you, you know, sort of moves from your head to your gut to where yeah. you go, uh, look, we're, we're the best at this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't, you don't want to be arrogant, but if you tickle that but line, that's okay. Exactly. Be you, arrogant. Don't, it, you don't negotiate, you, you know, you, you understand you're selling a premium product and you're not going to you're not going to get successful by selling a premium product at a commodity rate. Correct. So get really good at something, pick a niche, get in any kind of trade, you know, whatever, get really really good at something and then be proud of that. Yep. And and part of being proud of it is to say it's worth this. Right. Yeah, and, and I was I'm about to charge say that. there's a huge difference between going out there and floating that and lying about it. Right. Versus That'll never when work. it when it moves to your gut. It's not it's not an arrogance. It's more of a, a customer. There's just something about when you know it, a customer can see that when you say, look, I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to negotiate on this price. You're getting very quality service here and I am going to take care of your problem, but it is going to cost you this much. When you know that that is truth, the customer can sense that. Absolutely. And there is a huge difference between going out there and lying Versus when you know that's what you're capable Correct. of, you're going to get business that way. Yep. So um, kind of moving forward a little bit and kind of getting back on topic a bit. I do have a question for you because I know I know at some point we're going to have a podcaster, a podcast listener out there 
that is going to be to their eyeballs in debt. And they're probably terrified right now. Mm-hmm. Do you have some advice for someone? Because I know we all know that you kind of get to a tipping point to where you you flip over the I'm fucked slide. But before you've crested that hill, mm-hmm. do you have some advice for someone who's really deep in debt, who's getting themselves into trouble, a way to kind of rein everything in and try to get your feet back under you? Nothing magic, I guess. I guess what I would say is, you know, there's two sides to this coin. So the first one is make sure you got your spending under control, right? That's un- that is part of your control. So mm-hmm. it's really hard for people. I've seen it tons, tons of times, really hard for people to step back and curtail their spending. So get the spending side fixed, you know, the, the, have confidence in yourself. If you're really committed to this, you're going to do a good job. It's going to be really, really hard and you're going to screw up and it's going to be bad. And it's going to, you know, it's not easy. This is just not. So if you really think you've got something and you're going to stick with it, then, uh, then get your spending side, uh, under control. Second one though, is the really important one. And that is go sell something. <laughs> you, yeah. You know, that's the hard part for people to do. It's yep. just really, really hard. And so, uh, a lot of people, I think, uh, all over, but in particular in the trades, you know, think about, I'm going to go do that because I I'm good at it and I like it. And that's great. But until you can go evangelize it and get people to spend money with you, it doesn't matter. It's just, there's, there's nothing there. And so, so that's the other side. I would say if you're, if you're, you know, I'm, I'm at that point that I'm not the tipping point yet, but I'm getting close. You got to realize you're going to have to do some stuff you're really uncomfortable with oftentimes. And that is, I need to go talk to a lot of people. And I'll tell you, my, my view of that is just that. Um, there's not a lot of magic there either. You just got to go talk to people. And good mm-hmm. things happen when you talk to people. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get lots of no's and lots of you know rejection and stuff. Um, but if you just keep talking to people. <laughs> Sitting back and waiting. It doesn't fix no, anything. No, it doesn't. Amen. You just gotta do. You yeah. do. I think you it's do. harder to yeah. get out of that hole. Well, I and, agree. and what you said, I think, really, it applies to everyone because most people are not natural born sellers. Right. But especially the trades. I feel like the trades, like we're good at working with our hands, and that's what we really, really focus on. And it's really uncomfortable when we got to go out and talk to people. And so I think it is important for anyone listening to recognize. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to be nervous. It's okay if your hands are, are shaking the first door you go knock on or the first time you call someone on the phone. I mean, I sold equipment for two and a half years um, back in the day when I worked with my dad in the consulting industry and I was cold calling. Uh, you know, I was nervous on the phone. It, the jitters never really fully go away. You always get a little bit of jitters. It's being able to push into that, push past it, and have the conversation. And very quickly, you recognize that, you know, before you make the phone call, before you knock on the door, this this person exists on the other side that's not a person. It's a customer. It's this big, scary thing. And I've yep. got to perform and dance like a monkey in the right way. But really, once you knock on the door, once you make that phone call, you recognize real quick it's just a person. Yeah. You're just talking yeah. to another yeah. person. Yeah. Have a natural conversation and talk about what you do and how what you do can benefit them. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Don't get discouraged. And certainly I would say don't get discouraged when you get a no because that's sales. You're going to get far more no's than you will ever get yeses. But the only way you get yeses is by getting no's. And I think that's another thing that I've heard that's really had an impact on me through my selling career is 
Um, the only way to get to yeses is by plugging through the noes. And so instead of thinking of the no as being this huge negative, think about it as being you're that you're that much closer to the next yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so take it as an advantage. Yeah, I, I tell my team all the time, at the end of the day, we're only in one business. We're in the frog kissing business. And we got to kiss a lot of frogs to find yep. our princes. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think there's even dynamics there. The word sales has this whole baggage associated with it, right? Well, and, it does if you go to the damn car dealer. I agree. That, and that's exactly <laughs> what, what we think about. Think of, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> boom. I do yeah. think I do think mentally for someone that owns their own small business, you got to get this thing that says what I do has value and people either need it and want it or they don't. Yep. And that's okay. Yeah. You got to really get to the point to say that part's okay. Mm -hmm. If somebody doesn't need it or want it, that's not a rejection of you as a person. That's just whatever timing it's issue, you know, whatever. I, I do think you've got to get to the point though, where you're going to go, if I talk to enough people, I am going to come across some that need and want what I do, and I'm good at this. Yep. And that's very different. So I, I actually, the word I use a lot more is evangelize. I, I, I like to talk to people about what I do yeah. and what I'm passionate about. That I That's fun. Yeah. You know, and, and if people don't want it, that's okay. Sometimes yeah. that's I not lose a whole work day because of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Shit, I'm here to build your deck and uh, we just had four beers and we're talking about whatever. You know, it's like, but, I, I don't have anybody else working with me. I got to get back to work. Right. But that's the thing though, just... Don't, I don't lose, drink on the job though. But just don't lose yourself through the yeah, whole event. Yeah, Even when you're yeah. running scared, like you will beat the fear out of you if you just keep trudging. Yep. Yeah. And then you'll That's take a great that point. Then That's you'll take that point. word no. Yep. Is there's no more conversation. Now I cut this off and I go to the next one. You don't take yep. it as a discouragement because if you want to be an entrepreneur in a business, that word no means I'm on the clock to get to the next yep. door. To see if there's a deal. It's yep. deal or no deal. I mean, we all watch on TV, yeah. right? It's it's straight up yes or no, yes or no. And you might hit fifty no's to one yes, but if you keep plugging and, and you move fast enough, if you beat the clock every day, you will get to that yes. Most and, and quick no's are health, healthy. Yeah. yeah, you know that's a that's another thing. Yeah, I appreciate to, I, that. Absolutely, me too. I want to get. I'd rather figure out quick. You know, me personally, get to I've, a quick no. When I go into a house to sell a bathroom job, I already know roughly where my numbers at. Yep. I walk and I I I made a little sheet for them to cheat off of to be like, all right. And the first line item is, "What's your budget?" Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they. Everybody lo always looks at me. Yeah. Like, well, we're not going to give you that. It's like, well, if I don't have that, I can't help you because I can tell you right off the bat, you know, whether this is feasible, if you're going to waste my time mm -hmm. and 20 other, you know, contractors time, or let's, let's get the ball rolling. Like we can get to that number. You know, it's just not going to be a beautiful high end, mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. you know, so you, you work with that, mm -hmm. you know, but people get scared you know, sharing what they have in their pocket to spend on something because they think you're going to be taken advantage of. So know? this, it's interesting because like this, <laughs> this podcast, yeah, <laughs> this podcast is taking a totally different, different turn and I'm loving it because yeah, we're sorry. starting to get into yeah. sales, which is really what he excels at. I consider myself pretty good at it. And so one of the other things I would tell people too, is when you get that, no, accept it. Mm -hmm. don't try to push through it. You yep. embrace it. That was one of the things I learned uh, in the banking industry, but especially when I was really doing equipment sales is 
uh, and this applies with anything, whether it's digging basements or it's building a pole barn or, you know, putting up a, an iron building, whatever it is, the trade that you're doing. People only need that service occasionally. Mm-hmm. You can't make them need that service. Correct. And so when they say, hey, I appreciate it, but I don't need that right now. Yep. That's where you politely say, hey, here's my information. Is it okay if I contact you? And, and this is totally dependent upon your industry. But I know in the equipment world, it was, hey, you mind if I give you a call in about four or five months? Yeah. And nine times out of 10, the people on the other end of the phone would appreciate the fact that instead of me being the pushy sales guy that's going to try to arm wrestle them into taking a demo yep. or looking at my literature, they'd appreciate the fact that I respected the no. And it was, yeah, absolutely. No problem. Yeah. And then when I called him five months from now and said, hey, this is Brian. I don't know if you remember me with Case. You know, I just wanted to check back in and see if anything had changed on the equipment front. As soon as it changed to where, oh, yeah, by the way, we were just talking about that the other day that we need to buy a new skid steer. What do you got? Now, all of a sudden, the door is open to you. It's wide open, yeah. Versus had I been that pushy sales guy that was like, no, 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 no. Why don't you just let me drop a skid steer there? Mm -hmm. And they're like, fuck off, dude. I don't need a skid steer. I don't want a skid steer right now. They're not going to pick up the phone the next time you call. So that's another important selling aspect to respect and, and to recognize is when someone says no, respect that, but then follow up and say, hey, can I contact you X amount of time in the future? Yep. And that leaves the door open. But That's in definitely. sales, though, I mean, you recognize time is money. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you quickly got off the telephone, reconnected, because the only thing that's consistent is change. Their circumstance changed. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to also, when you start getting into sales and you, you're doing it, like you talked about, what is your budget? I asked that question, I can't tell you how many times, because I'll ha- sit there Somebody wants to bid on a certain item, sure. But when they're going around multiple items and they're just rambling on, I pause. And I either say, that's going to cost a fuckload of money (laughs) or what's your budget? I legitimately do because I'm not wasting my time walking with you anymore because I need to get to another sale. Sure. And that's when you got to start recognizing in the sale, in the banking, in the money, I have 30 days to come up with my fucking money before I got to get Sure. Shell it back out. So, and then like you'll get another person and just a recognition of where you're at on the sales field. Like I had that one customer called the one time and it was like a $30,000 job. And uh, they flat out told me over the phone. I said, I, you know, they're rambling. Come on. I'm like, well, you're kind of far away. I said, uh, have you had any bids? And they said, yeah, we've had 15 of them. Hmm. Oh, Mm-hmm. You're fucking shopping for the lowest mm-hmm. price. And mm-hmm. I already told him, I said, so what's the bid? Well, they're ranging right around. It's, it's going to be like a $30,000 job. And I said, well, I'm not going to come out there. I politely declined because time's money. Well, you come recommend it. We'd really like you to come out. And I said, well, take your highest budget. Most likely throw like five grand on it. Yeah. And if you're okay with that, I might come out and take a look because you're, you're shop 15 people. If you can't make your mind up within three to five, they're just shopping. Yeah. And that's yeah. when you got to recognize in any parts of the industry at, at all, you, you got to recognize on your radar, sale, no sale. The word no is the most important word that you want, not in a good way, but no, get on to the next deal. So I hate to kind of interrupt the conversation. If everyone's still good with going a little bit further, why don't we take a quick break and then we'll come right back. Ooh. 
All right, guys, welcome back. Sorry about that. We are uh, ready to continue on with some marketing information because, as we were talking about, uh, as good as the skilled trades are is working with their hands, generally speaking, we're pretty terrible at marketing. So what I figured we could do is kind of go around the room because we've got a smattering of people here. Uh, Matt, you would say you're kind of building trades, I guess. Yeah. And Rick and I are dirt guys. And then we have dad, David, is a banker. And so I don't know that you could get any more diverse. And so what I figure we do is kind of go around the room and just talk about some marketing strategies that have been pretty effective and kind of how you think about marketing, how you approach finding new business. So do you want to start off, Matt, and kind of tell us? We'll start with the big hitter. Okay. All right. We'll start with David. <laughs> all right. The marketing guru. Oh, man. No. I got Sorry. nervous there. I'm like, oh, boy. I didn't sign up for this one. You know, it would be more effective if if we all went first and then he came out with the big hitter. That's fine. It, you know, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just giving you shit, Matt. Don't get all offended. He, 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 this is brainstorming idea. He's at least got 20 minutes. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to talk about just what have been some more uh, effective approaches, kind of how do you think about utilizing your time and being strategic as opposed to just wasting time? What has been effective when it comes to marketing? And the, and we do want to specify this is the banking industry here, so. It may not work in the trades, but I do think there's a lot to really take away from it. I think it relates. I I do too, ultimately. So first off, I'm going to talk about it from two different sides. First off, what my company does, we work with community banks and credit unions all over the country, and we help them grow. Our average result when we start working with them is to get twice as many customers. So it's not a little better. It's a lot lot better, better. and Mm -hmm. it's a lot better right away. Um. When I talk about what what we do, I think I talk about it as two sides of the coin. So the first one is getting the house in order for growth, right? So again, we started off. You guys think about banks. You think about I'd rather get a root canal, right? We got to change that. So so we spend a lot of time at my company on what the experience is like when someone comes in, and there, there's a lot of work there. It takes leadership. So. Your people, and, and I think there is a parallel here. You know, we, we've spent a lot of this podcast starting off talking about the person just starting off. But once you get going and you've got employees, those employees represent you. Yep. And they're very important. And how they interact with your clients makes all the difference in the world. And that's the same in banking. And, and banks don't put enough energy into those folks to make that experience spectacular. So that's one side of the coin. The second, though, is once we get the house in order, we need to send out party invitations. So my firm does a lot of marketing on behalf of our clients. And so the thing I would say there, uh, I I guess if I could distill anything down, it is always be testing. Remain a student your whole life, right? Be curious and try new things. Uh, What works is going to change over time. The the thing that I, I do think you need to do is you need to be doing it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so you've got to be getting your message out there. You've got to be trying different things. You've got to be evangelizing. And I think there's a little difference between sales and marketing. We focused up to this point about sales, and largely we've been talking about the small business owner you know, going out and talking to people. I think that's a, a critical component. Um, but, but there is a marketing aspect, I think, as well. Once you kind of get going and get a little volume behind you and you want to continue that – going up that mountain, um, marketing's important. Mm-hmm. So I think I don't think there's one answer. Uh, I will say uh, my experience is digital marketing's good. 
that's where everybody's hanging out today. It's not the end all be all, but that's where everybody tends to put their energy. Yep. And just real quick, I hear podcast marketing is very effective. <laughs> if anyone's wanting to sponsor <laughs> the podcast. There you go. So we do uh, in our business for banks, 80% of the marketing is actually traditional marketing. So uh, not uh, 20% is digital today. That may change over time. And when you say traditional marketing, just to specify a little more, what is traditional marketing? Yeah, so if you, I'm, I'm actually gonna now I'm a, I'm gonna get on my soapbox. They send guys that preaching. look like us out so, on the field. <laughs> that's right. Bam. This is where I have, us. <laughs> I have lots of passion and energy in this front. So if, if if I ask you where you bank today, you're gonna tell me the name of a bank like that. You've got relationships with other financial institutions, but you've named one place. That's where you have your primary operating checking account. Mm -hmm. Second thing is if I ask you, if they made you mad enough, where would you go? You would probably pause and you already know where you're likely to go. What my company does is disrupts the answer to that number two question. Right. We get our clients into that slot before someone ever has a need. And so for what we do, we actually find that targeted direct mail is still very, very effective. It's old school, but it works. It works well. Um, so that's now what, what I mean. age does that do you think All, that hits? It so, hits so, everybody? Yeah. So I don't I throw you, my mail out the second I see it. Exactly. The so, junk mail. I know. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. If you actually look at a, a bank and you look at before we ever start with them, what their uh, age groups are, yeah. right? And and how many are older people and mm -hmm. the percentage there versus the percentage of younger. And then you look at the new customers being attracted. We get more younger customers than older. Really? Customers. All right. Yeah. So All it's right. it's interesting. Interesting. In in look, we're talking about trades. We're talking about dirt. We're talking about um, you know home building and improvements and all. I don't know what will work there. Yeah, yeah. Just like I don't think we knew at the beginning of this thirty seven year old company. I think we got a wrap for my marketing. You know, for my truck. Right? Yeah, there, we came up with that. Man, motherfucker, yeah. Totten with the arrow pointing right at him. <laughs> I, I do think though, uh, you need to be trying stuff. That's kind of the key message here. Is is it's not just about one to one sales. Um, but uh, but but figuring out ways to continue to invest to get your message out yep. there. Now I'm going to go to the the other side. My business. How do we do our marketing? Right. So we we've got to go out to the the universe of of banks and credit unions. The message is the same. Always be trying things. So I'll tell you a quick story. I hired a young guy nine years ago, 25 years old. He comes in with a lot of passion, and uh, he tells me, Dave, what we need to do is we need to invest $25,000 in our website. We need I need to hire an SEO expert so we get to the top of the, the list. And I'm like, his name is Brett. I said, Brett, I don't think people are actively Googling us. We've got to go out there to meet them. So I don't think this is going to work. No, we need to do it. So I said, go for it. Let's try it. So we tried it. It bombed. We didn't get anything from it. And so about three months later, he comes back and he says, I think we need to start doing conferences that these bankers are going to, state conferences and all. And uh, I said, Brett, I, I, I've, I've done that before. I've tried it. Uh, at my prior job, we invested a quarter of a million dollars in conferences over the course of the year, and I signed one $13,000 engagement. Worth it. I don't think it's the yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have fire here, We got baby. one, baby. <laughs> exactly. And I said, I don't think it's going to work. And he's like, no, I think you did it wrong. Now I'm the old guy and the CEO, and and this this young guy says, "If it's you a bold strategy, <laughs> Cotton, let's see if it pays off for him." 
He says, if you do the work before the conference, and then I'm going to wear you out at the conference, and then we're going to do the work after the conference, I think it'll work. And and I said, you got a lot of passion for it. Let's go invest $25,000 in that. We sold $2 million out of that. Wow. The thing is, always be testing. You sure, never yeah. know what's going to yeah. work. You got to be trying stuff. The, the other thing I would say that I do think is a parallel to the trades is, you know, we, we, we've talked to this point about no's and sales and talking to people. Um, one of the things that I think is good is figuring out how to get yourself into a position to have those conversations that's not cold calling. Yes. Yeah. Right? So cold calling and knocking on doors is the it's hardest. Tough. It's hard. It is, it is rough. really, really hard. I could really imagine hard. doing that. Yeah, it's super hard. I've done it. I would have jumped off that deck the other day if that was what I was doing for the yeah. But if you can figure out ways that can cause you to have conversations, that can put you in a position to have conversations. And again, I think that's going to be unique for each business. But whether it's going to uh, chamber of commerce meetings, whether it's going to conferences or shows or trade shows or uh, whatever, um, I think if you can get yourself into a position where you're able to communicate with people, talk to a lot of people without it being cold calling – that that makes your efforts yep. that much more effective. So, I like it, Matt. You want to follow that up? <laughs> oh man, yeah. I think he just touched on everything I was going to, so I don't even know what I'm going to talk about now. <laughs> the elephant out of the room. <laughs> you know, you know, me starting out. I'm still small. I'm not. I haven't ventured into. I really. I guess what have you, call you ventured into though? Everything. So, but like, uh, you know, marketing. Like, I haven't personally reached out and like started to market myself. I'm afraid to, because I'm still trying to feel where kind of what your niche is. Yes. My niche. Sure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in that time, you know, it's just, you sit back, you think about it, you talk to other people, you do the work you, it, that like do me personally doing the work and finishing it and having a happy customer. That's my marketing because there's people that come over and utilize their space that I just remodeled. And that's my marketing. They market for me. And don't and, don't shy away from yeah, it because of the cool. audience here. Let's talk. If someone comes in and takes a shit in your bathroom. I was going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of people have taken Hold a it, shit baby. on the throne and just been like, who did this <laughs> job? This is this motherfucking that's Matt Totten. That's marketing right yeah. there. This tile so work is stellar. Just a different, different way of marketing. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, how I market myself, I, you know, if I'm working at somebody's house, you know, for instance, today I was, I'm working on a deck and. There's seven houses within, you know, 400 yards in each direction. There was a person in the front yard and I just kind of waved at them. And typically they just kind of look at me weird. Mm -hmm. But this guy, he had this apparatus on the front of his four wheeler. It was a brush hog. It was the coolest thing I've ever For seen. For a four wheeler? Yeah. No shit. Finish. It, it was made in Finland. Huh. Because they don't have tractors and all this. Yeah. Like, it's all you know, small a, equipment over yeah, there. And yeah. And when you get a tractor, you got to buy a toy hauler. You know, right. you got to buy a, a car hauler or whatever. Yeah. So... It costs a lot of money. So they made this sweet little, it has like a 25 horse motor on it yep. and starts up. It's on the wench for your plow. No you tighten shit. up your shocks. And this guy's brush hog in the backyard. And I'm like, hmm. holy moly. That's that is badass. awesome. I'm yeah. like, how much did that cost? He's like four grand. Like, And he thought it was going to scare me. I'm like, that is so worth four grand. Cause then I don't have to, I already have a four wheeler. I don't have a tractor to put that attachment on. Right. You know, that's sweet. And you can brush hog shit all day. Yeah. But anyways, so just that little bit got me in the door and he's like, I'm selling my house next year you know, in the spring. So that was my little marketing. Just, just not door knocking, just waving, just starting a conversation, 
you know, going with it. And, you know, next thing you know, he's like, dude, this deck is sinking. What can you do? I'm like, well, I can't do anything, but I can kind of mask it, you know, Yeah. <laughs> you know, until the next person, then I'll come back next year after you sell it. And I'll be like, Hey, I know this deck is failing. Let's, so that's kind of, I just, yeah. Just so, being inviting. Yeah. Just, just being yourself, yeah. being a people talking person, people. you know, it's like, you don't get business by just sitting back, yeah. you know, you get business by doing the work, doing quality work. And then being personable and then just reaching out as simple as waving to the neighbor. I will say just a suggestion. Do you have business cards? I do not. Matt motherfucking Todd? No, not yet. No? Reason being is just because I am not set up to take on that much work. If I did that, man, I would be in calls all day well, and I wouldn't get any work done. I was about to say, you've got those seven, eight houses That's that are wa two, they're watching you. 2022, baby. Yeah, they're it's watching you. Happening. That would be a perfect, you know. This year is my building year, figuring out what everything is and then running with it, you know. Yeah. Yes. on people and so even yeah. in business cards yeah get a unique business card oh, yeah. yep. everybody's business card yep. is the same yep bland you know, get yeah so get something yeah. spend a little more yep. doesn't change things that much yep. but make it different we've, exactly we've already got the catchphrase what's that Matt motherfucking, motherfucking top. Motherfucking top. <laughs> I didn't come up with that. And there's going to be but a throne I like, I, I, like it. I like it. I know well, some of my uh, family members will kind of, you know, yeah, well, wince. Mm, I don't know if that's the what, best what strategy. What are you doing, Matt? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> honestly, though, the uniqueness and how catchy yeah. it is. I Will that's why we stand keep saying out. it is you know, so catchy it rolls off the you know tongue. best friend for a day you know was a great you know handyman service i was doing for a while and you know then you guys said that matt motherfucking totten <laughs> construction yeah. llc and the problem I'm, I'm changing it next year it's gonna be a thing so he switched over <laughs> to best friend a for a weekend and we were afraid the craigslist ads were yeah, gonna get a little uh, yeah, dicey so. he's in the back pages there <laughs> no that would be if it said best friend for a minute you know, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> oh you paid by the minute <laughs> well where i was so. going with that though is if you know for contractors out there that are in a similar situation, you got seven, yeah. eight houses that are, you know, neighbors are fucking nosy. Everybody's yeah. watching oh, you out God, the window. Dude. They're, They're looking is, at your work. What is, exactly. What, is what, what, what are they what doing? doing? What are yeah. they doing over there? Yeah. That's a perfect example. Yeah. You wrap up around three, one afternoon, yep. just drive around and drop some business yep. cards off. It doesn't Correct. even have to be full-blown conversations. Yeah. Yeah. They know who you are. They know they can clearly see the work you've done. And now they've got a way to contact yeah. you. And it the, doesn't have to be tomorrow. This is something I weren't... So I did window cleaning for a while mm -hmm. and it was incredible to me because I shut that business down. Cause I, you know, like we've talked about tonight, I did a piss poor job at marketing, <laughs> ran out of money, had yep. to shut her down. I, I shit you not for four years afterwards, I would get calls from people that I had dropped flyers for that. They had had me sitting on their refrigerator for four years mm -hmm. before they finally called. Yeah. And that's where, even if you don't get the call right yep. away, you drop those cards, yep. and sure enough, here two years later, you get a call. Is yeah. this Matt motherfucking top? Yeah. I'd be like, well, yes. You did the deck Yes, work, it right? is. Yes. Yeah, Check out my you. podcast. <laughs> that's I just got invited, and now I'm on it. It's sweet. That's where you got to recognize, though, the marketing. It takes time for it to work. It, it isn't. Absolutely. It isn't. Yeah. I'm just going to drop X amount of yeah. dollars, and it's going. I'm just going to start hitting today. Correct. It's a revolving thing. You got to flash yep. in front of these people numerous times. I think they say seven. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to, you know, you got to flood them with information. Yeah. Yep. yeah. yep. But I, I'm not personally comfortable with doing, you know, because it's, it's an added expense. Sure. You know, it's and I'm big. like, you know, right now I am comfortable just, I am free floating, cool, calm, and I'm, 
doing my work and I'm overwhelmed. Well, I'll throw out a free marketing. plug. Vistaprint, like no shit. You can yeah. get, I think it's 500 or a thousand business cards for like 20 bucks. It's yeah. really cheap. Dude, I don't have 20 bucks. Really I just cheap. bought a microphone. I will. <laughs> that's, that's true. I am now flush with your cash. Yeah, so right. Oh, I can buy you some business yeah. cards. Exactly. Exactly. But and they are going the to say, Matt yeah. motherfucking yeah, exactly. I love it. I love don't, it. don't let I, him buy them. <laughs> So, so anything no. else you want to add? No, I, I think just be confident in yourself and then just run with it. You know, just marketing is something I'm not, I guess I do without knowing, yeah. you know? Well, you, so you, I guess, you know, make it the definition of marketing. I guess I hit it, but I just didn't know it. Sure. Yeah. Well, just one thing to, to add on though, the power of referrals is, is so correct. And so that's important. what I go by. It's all referrals. You yeah. know, it's not, I don't have a, yeah, a business card. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the the other thing about referrals is when you do good work, mm -hmm. it's okay to ask for referrals. Yep. Sure. Yes. You, yep. You've built a relationship with people and say, hey, Correct. look, here's what I do. You've seen the work. If you've yep. got friends or family that needs this, yep. love a referral from Correct. Yeah. Correct. That is easy to say, but hard for people to say. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just I do it every agree time. agree 100%. But, but you, you build this like checkbox one through 10 and you make yeah. sure that you know, you check them every time you go through the list yep. with the customer. Because I get, I get yelled at close. by customers for not having a website for them yeah. to put a review on. Yeah. And, you know, so far I've been very fortunate that I would not have gotten a bad review, maybe on callbacks, but it's like, dude, I'm busy, you know, yeah. and they know I'm a one man wrecking ball. You know, it's just, it, it is what it is. But yeah, for everybody out there that's in my position, yeah, that's my next step is to start marketing and, you know, 2022 will be a great year, you know, if everything goes to plan. Yeah. So. Well, but that, that's where you got to recognize, though, <clears throat> the position that you're in, not to say ifs or what's, but is you got to start, you got to take a time to delegate. When it goes good. Yeah. You got to delegate that time to start the marketing now. So when yep. as things start trickling down, you have the next one up on the other people. Yeah. Correct. Because your quality of work's already there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah your presence is right behind you. Yep. Like you're walking with a good presence, yep. you know? Exactly. And I will say too, um, something important to recognize because most people starting their business, especially if it's their first business, have the thought of, I don't need to focus on marketing because I'm super busy right now. I did the exact same thing in my first company. You think, okay, it's all good. I don't have to worry about this until we start to see the taper off at the end. And the problem is, it's too late exactly. at that point in time because you're busy just again. Said, well, not only well, not only that, but by the time business is tapered off, then you start your marketing, like we just talked about. That's not an immediate like, oh, the switch is on and now I have new business. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes months, sometimes yep. years before Correct. you see the results of that. And so instead of waiting until you slow down to turn on, it needs to be okay. I'm when busy. you're going. I'm flush with cash. I can afford to throw some marketing dollars out. Yep. Let's do it now because I'm actually investing in six months to two years from now. Correct. You know, another topic that maybe not for tonight, but that you're just touching on is as a small business owner, when you're, you know, it's really hard to get started. You, you also, though, you get to that point where you're, you're starting to get some success. And when do you make those decisions to make yeah. investments in marketing? When do you make the decision to hire the next person? Yeah. At what level? You know, what does that mean to you? Um, so maybe that's a topic for a different time, but I've, I've always been a believer. If you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah. So you always got to be thinking about how am I going to continue that growth 
piece, and that's not easy either. Yeah. I mean, success is hard. Yeah. Right? I, I, well, I was going to say work. that is hard. Nothing about owning a business ever gets easy. Everyone thinks that it's like, well, if I don't want to go work for the man, I'll just start my own company, and it's going to be super easy because I'm really good at digging holes. Mm-hmm. Okay. How are you going to tell people that you're good at digging holes? That's How the are you going to smack them? in the face? You know, right there. Yeah, it's absolutely. Like, How are you going to convince people to yep. pick you to dig their hole? Yep. And then, are you paying the taxes the way you're supposed to after you dig that hole? Oh, that's another <laughs> hole. Yeah, but it takes a certain mindset. It takes that can die attitude that even the word no doesn't stop you because yep. you could take a beating. Like when things start just going wrong, that no could set you back 10 steps if you let it. So like we touched a little bit ago about the home life, the home life, the bills, when things start going wrong, that no, you can't let it set you back. Yep. You have to take it as the closure to move Push on to the it. next because eventually you're going to find the yes. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where when you start getting into the marketing thing, you start recognizing not just that word no is part of it with the sales and the marketing because you'll get a lot of leads that doesn't don't even matter. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn the, the word no too. Also, like you give and take with that. But mm-hmm. when you get into marketing, I think what I do is it's appearance. It's you dress the part. You don't overdress. You dress the part. If you're a handyman that day, you're a handyman. If you're a plumber, you dress like the plumber. Yeah. I mean, you look like you fit the job description. If I'm trying to sell jobs wearing suit and ties and I roll up in a Corvette, Automatically, this dude's gonna go. I can't fucking afford this guy. Yeah. Right, right. You well, might I, ro- I show up in these pants, yeah. this flannel. You know, just as I am when I'm on your job site. Like, yeah, I don't look beautiful. But if you, you know, got- maybe my face, but you know, it's like <laughs> everything else. It's like, you know, it's the voice, man. Yeah, it's the voice. Way that you are. <laughs> I ask that every time. Yeah, it's it, it is like you gotta. Sometimes you sell the part. Like if I'm gonna be selling myself as a banker or something, yeah, I would expect you to be looking nice and GQ and whatever, you know. But yeah, I'm coming from a job to come give my time to you, you know, after I'm working and when I should still be working, you know, sure. to sell this job. So and they love that, you know. Yep. So I had an old timer tell me the one time in the logging industry. He says, you know, these rich people, they'll never bitch and complain about you rolling up in a $80,000 work truck. Yep. But if you pull out like a $30,000 old Cadillac and roll up to bid the job, you ain't going to get the job. Yeah. I yep. mean, so you got to be the part. You got to look the part. You got to eat, sleep, yeah. dream the part. And then when you speak, you got to speak the part. Yep. Yeah. And you got to speak your presence and not just price, not just selling the job, but being original, being yep. unique and being bold. I mean, I believe that really what sets a lot of people apart these days with the, you know, Joes that we always talk about is it sets you apart. So that's marketing, you know, from the business cards, yep. yard signs. I did a job the one time I went to Vistaprint, paid 500 bucks for his fucking banner. That was <laughs> the wind about ripped it in two, but it was like 10 by 15 feet. And I had my phone number when I was logging and my name. And I spent like 500 bucks on it. And that led to like $25,000 worth of work. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it was because the road was so busy. Nobody was going to see a yard sign. Yeah. Yeah. So I literally drove post in this farmer's field, put this banner up, and I got three Hit calls. a sprinkler yeah. system, but he knew a guy <laughs> you who know repairs Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's What's the, 100 bucks? And, yeah. the, and, and the sign looked like shit. It was ripped. Like the font was horrible. 
Sometimes those are the ones I see first. Right. I, I don't, know, attention. I don't know if it was the wind distracting him and he almost hit it like mm-hmm. that got him. He's like, I better call him. But that was the whole, I spent the money, not even thinking, but I was like, I'm just here. I'm going to try. And like you say, you just don't stop. Right. And I market everywhere. <laughs> I market with my equipment. I market when Brian's on the job. Honestly, because who you put and out there. I want to there. specify how he does that. While I am working <laughs> and shoveling for like 30 minutes, Rick's just walking around talking about like, oh, yeah, this is what we've done. And this is what we are doing. And this is, is what we're going to do tomorrow. <laughs> then I'm like, see you later, buddy. <laughs> and then he's like, hey, I got to go bid a job. And I'm like, but wait. <laughs> What At were least we he's doing not together? on a yacht <laughs> sitting in the Caribbean or that something like that. You know, that's yeah. one thing that I just, oh. But the people that you put out there is marketing. Yeah. The way yeah. they relate with the customer to the quality of work. Amen. You're throwing like in the trades, you're leaving your bottles everywhere, yeah. lunch everywhere. You're pissing in their bushes, whatever yeah. you're doing. It Social media has taken over the world now. So oh, yeah. it will either make or break you in the trades. It will burn you yeah. down with... One, I mean, you start a match and they'll burn a forest. Yeah. So, I mean, who you hire and who you put out there to the entire. I mean, if you rolled up looking like you just got out of the fucking bar and hit the weed store today and you're walking around with your bag of weed on the job, they're they're not going to like this. I mean, it's marketing. So everything that you do has to have the aspects from the, I mean, I I use yard signs. That's the hardest thing with me looking to bring on employees. Because I expect the employee to be me. Sure. And at the end of the day, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to have this huge ego, but just they can't be me. But I try to, I, everybody I've had help me. You sit there for hours, you know, just talking throughout the day to kind of make them to breathe, eat, sleep, and shit what you're talking about to be the, the persona that you want them to be. And then at the end of the day, you come back and you're like, what the hell do you just do? Like, yeah. that's not what we do, you know? And it's it's scary bringing on employees to present, you know, your name. Yeah. It to is. represent you. They represent, represent you. you. Yeah. 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 But you find you find the guys that are looking for, I could get to the end goal with them. Because the thing is, you got to let the employees still be who they are. You're not going to yeah. change what they are. But can they represent me? You know, and you got to give them the reins because if you're always holding the reins in their mouth, sooner or later, they're just going to fucking say, fuck this. If you give them the reins, I mean, there's more than one way to eat an apple is the way I always looked at this industry because he could go at something completely different than I would do it. And I have to go recognize that my way is not always the right way. It might be a better way sometimes. Most of the time. Most of the time. (laughs) But... (laughs) But the thing is, you you let them, if they could get to the end results and it takes you a little bit longer and a little more money, it's job completed. Yep. So that's where you let it go. And they're letting them shine. We'll market. It will bring the job together to like buying on pizza like we talk about and their charisma. So when the neighbor comes over and goes, hey, what are you doing? They're like, yeah, let me call my boss or, you know, this is what we're doing. This is what we do. But. Just like the guy that was interacting with you with the tractor, just being friendly, yeah, waving, saying hi. Yep. I have a bunch of people that walk up to you and go, well, I have all these issues, blah, 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 and just engage with them. Not like, yep. oh, they got to pay me for this, or I got to sit here and I got to do it. But what is it? And I'll talk to them, yep. and then they'll be like, well, can you fix this too? Or do you know a guy? Here's my card. I'm a yeah. consultant too. <laughs> right. Matt? 
motherfucking Tottenham. <laughs> but that, I mean, that's where it really starts going. And then when I think of marketing, I think of in the trades, like how much money do I have in front of me on the books for work? When do I need to turn on my marketing? You know, like I use 20000 for example. If I don't have $20,000 on the books at all times and I start getting close or I get under, that's when I got to start figuring out when I need to turn the dial on and when I need to start turning it up. Well, so kind of moving back to the topic, what are your, what have been some really effective marketing strategies that you've used? Um, first, a website. It's huge. Um, Google now does Google My Business when you log uh, on to yeah, Google. Absolutely. I could follow the content of legitimate people just looking up my business as they've seen my name. Or if, uh, you know, they're looking for certain contractors in the, um, and, the, and the, what's the word? The who to who to what? I when somebody's looking you up, the an, analytics. Oh, the analytics? Analytics. That's yep. close. Um, so, you know, making sure that you're putting in the categories that you can master. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to have 30 different services on the books that you're offering and they're Googling you and you're running all over. You start delegating what you're good at and where the price points are. So when you start looking at that, you recognize money and you recognize marketing. And if I sponsor, let's just say $5,000 to $10,000 a year, I expect X amount of results back. I expect that because I realize I'm starting to target the people that I want, whether you're doing Google, which is the biggest search engine in the world. And if you're not utilizing that, you're throwing money away. Yeah. I mean, I don't care about Facebook, podcast, social media, anything like that. Your well, phone. We'll take that back, podcast. We need to worry about. We want, we we're, want we're, sponsors. We're, we're talking about marketing for my business. <laughs> I mean, if if uh, we want to sponsor my business with the podcast. Anything outdoors is sponsoring because it works Damn really it. well. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I have to buy them some bourbon. Like I said, guys, MT when it comes to technology, Rick, we're, we're bringing them along. <laughs> but I'm saying, for what we're... the way that you are? <laughs> My mama created me. What are we talking about? <laughs> uh, but that's what I look at. It's like Google is a huge... I look for the biggest networks that gets out in the most audience. In today's world, it's not TV. It's not the old-fashioned way for guys in the trade. It's this little phone that they're walking around. They're on it. In the shitters. Yep. They're at the daycares. They're at the kids' game. They're driving their car, looking at the phone. Where do you want to be? I want to be in their screen. And so how how much money do you have to spend to make your revenue for the year on that telephone or the computer? That's what I look at. So I'll, I'll dabble with, like, Facebook. I'll dabble with Google uh, AdWords. Um, I've done Mailbox Blast, and it's certain um, housing, like, I'll go to the wealthy area and I will pay a print company out of Ohio to blast this radius with my business cards mm -hmm. or my poster cards. Yeah. Um, like wintertime, what people don't realize when they're out there running snow and like a concrete contractor that I know in his downtime, instead of partying, he does all his work in the wintertime. So what he does is, for example, and this is what turned me on. As you talked about being thoughtful and always looking and advancing what you're looking at for marketing, 
and he'll go around in the winter and he will estimate driveways, how long they are, how wide they are. And he'll find areas that are so fucked up that he'll give an overall quote for if you can get a whole group. Correct. So what he'll do is he'll do an overall quote of, let's just say it's 10 yards per driveway in the tear out, whatever. So he'll just drop a number, just, I don't know, 10 grand, right? Eight, 10 grand for a driveway. That's tear out, concrete poured, whatever. And he makes this broad um, folder. So come springtime. Oh, right. So come springtime, what he does is he blows up the mailboxes with the mailbox marketing, the old style sales way, going, your driveway, you know, and I don't know how he directs it exactly, but he'll go, your driveway, rip out and replace $10,000 in this area, this home subdivision. He'll go around kind of figuring out why people are waiting for the leads in the springtime. He's already hitting the mailbox March. Ten grand, because he already knows what the concrete cost is for the year. He's already talked to the people. He's already 10 feet in front of the guys. It's already on Google, already on Facebook, already on any other social media. He's already did his homework in the winter. Yeah. This dude, as soon as the frost laws are off and he could get going. He's this, already rolling. This guy's already rolling. While you're sitting there running around bidding, he's already getting, he's in a subdivision. He's already marketing. He's already fucking there working. Yep. Who doesn't want to get their driveway replaced if they're in the market? I'm going to walk over and talk to this guy. Yeah. So just being very proactive in marketing and what you think is a waste of money. Um, I, I'm looking at doing some trade shows once in a while here and there. Like you said, just getting in front of people, mm-hmm. having the conversation. And then I've also went as far as in a subdivision as we're working. I'll notice a problem in the next door neighbor's yard. I'll actually go knock on the guy's door, cold call. I'm already there. I'm already set up. They see I'm working. Yeah, just go have a quick conversation. So what if he tells me no? Yeah, big deal. Or if he tells me yes, I'll just, I'll give him a discount, dude. I'm fucking here. Yep. So you come over and you do it for a third less of whatever it would cost. Your mobilization is gone. So I was going to say your mo fees are totally gone at that point. That's a substantial fee. That's when you got to start recognizing your cost. For the day. That's how I got the job the other day. Just today. The guy's like, you're here. When you're getting done with that, don't leave. Yeah, come next door. Just do it the next day. But just being vocal, though. Opening your voice box, having the conversation has been more beneficial for me and word of mouth. Being being as good as your last job or better. Yep. And the marketing works for so long until 10, 20 years, and people just know the name. They know the brand. Yep. But they still market. They yep. don't. They don't stop because guess what? You know it's here, and it shows that you're proactive. Um, I also got a Instagram and Facebook account for the business, and I'll post on it every random. And it just shows your audience that's linking up with like your website that you are active. And if you're showing that you're active and you're updating, you don't have to flood it yep. daily or weekly, but one or twice a month. It just shows that you're active. And it shows like the projects that you're doing, it catches the people's eyes and it intrigues them. So same thing. They'll save it. Might call you in four years because the one guy was like, I've been following you for three years. Oh, that's Yeah, great. that was interesting. That that conversation <laughs> was interesting. Kind right. of creepy. Yeah. So <laughs> it was it was really fascinating. I think yeah. that was the first time Rick and I really looked at social media. Understood and it was what like, it's doing. Wow. They, like they're not just... 
It's not just going and searching for a contractor. They yeah. they legit were following Rick. Yeah. Yeah. They they see what his jobs. Yeah, they're yeah. interviewing. They've already interviewed you before before you even get there. They already know who you are, what you've done, what you're capable of. They might not know the price point, but by rolling up in a nice truck, realizing that you know it's not a broke down truck that's <laughs> barely made it here. Yeah, the, the guy it's going to cost me some money. Yeah, and but then that's where you start learning the target, like we did our little breakdown on the other podcast of what what you're looking for, you know, and that's when you got to start as a contractor. They're looking for you, but you also have to start realizing who you're looking for for because there's somebody there that I want, not in a bad way of their pocketbook, but somebody that's going to afford your service. And that's where they're going to put quality in front of quantity. And that's when they're they're going to set their checkbook aside and if you make that connection with them, yep. the extra money that's going to cost them is well worth it. And, yeah, that's, and that's what set, starts separating you apart. So I say the whole, not just one thing or the other, but for the trades, it's the whole circle. Yeah. I mean, you can't just say, I'm going to just brand this t-shirt and I want, I mean, that's great. You got to do more than that. It's, it's the whole circle. If you're not taking advantage of everything at your fingertips and it costs a lot of money, I mean- Fuck, it's like ten grand a year. Sure, and for that's light. what I do. Yeah, and that, but that's enough for what I do. Yeah, you know, some of these other people do. They're they're ten grand a month. You know, so and then that's the point. Once you start feeding the beast, and the more employees you eat, and they got to work, then you start realizing your costs, dude. I need to start spending a hundred G's a month, but you need to be everywhere. Yeah, I mean that's. I think that's the biggest key when you start realizing if you're not. If you're not taking advantage of somebody's service, you're not even reaching the potential that you're, you're capping yourself. Yeah. And the, the potential is unlimited, especially, you know, if you get guys that can re- represent who you are. I mean, the sky's the limit, you know. So one of the things that really sticks out to me that we kind of haven't really touched on is when you strategize how you're going to market, one of the things you really need to think about, especially in the trades, is are you marketing to uh, are you marketing to the residential sector, or are you marketing to businesses? Yep. Because a lot of the a lot of our world we're subcontractors. Yeah. So you're actually doing business to business marketing, and you need to approach that very differently than you do the residential sector. Correct. And um, I will say, you know, having sold equipment, that was purely business to business. Yep. And uh, I did a lot of cold calling. Um, I did a lot of driving around to job sites. And I will say, when you come at it from the strategy of how can I most effectively use my time, uh, by far and away, cold calling is the quickest because it'll take me 20 minutes to drive from one contractor contractor to another. Without talking to anyone. Without talking to anyone. You're literally just windshield time. Uh, total waste of time. Yep. Versus I can hit... I, I want to say on average, I was calling around 40 to 50 contractors a day. And then I would line out, okay, let's, you know, once I get you on the phone and I establish that you have a need, again, going back to that respect the no. Yeah. Once I establish you have a need, I would set up four or five different calls on a day. And then I would go out and have an in-person conversation and establish that relationship more. And so you approach that in a totally different way than you do the residential sector. What's been really interesting working with Rick is seeing how the residential sector reacts and how you market to them. The fucking vampires. <laughs> so 
you've got you've got all of the you know all of the advice here has been fantastic you know whether it's direct mail facebook marketing uh getting on google is super important if you if your business is not on google at all you i would highly recommend you get on google because people can start giving you ratings you're going to start showing up in google searches naturally due to your geolocation it's not strictly seo it's also geolocation and so if someone searches a dirt contractor and howl Anything outdoors is going to pop up regardless of the fact that we may not have the best SEO for anythingoutdoors.com or whatever. Um, And so that's really important. But one of the most fascinating things to me, and this is where you kind of get into the diesel and iron side of things with the YouTube and everything. People have started going above and beyond just finding a website. Now they are really looking at Instagram. They are looking at Facebook. They are now starting to actually look at YouTube to get a feel for who you are it's as a turn, business. It's turned over Google. Absolutely. Is this an arrogant asshole that's going to charge me out the ass? Or is this a really stand-up guy that that has a real, you know, does good quality work, but he's a really good down-to-earth guy? And that's been really fascinating because especially on the Instagram side of things and, and Facebook as well, people research you on a personal level. It's not just who are you as a business and I will say having a website, and I've talked about this on Diesel and Iron, uh, having a website establishes legitimacy. Well, it gives them it gives them a platform that when they look for you, they recognize that you're there. You're somebody. Yeah, you're not you're not operating out of the out of the bed of a nineteen seventy two yeah. Chevy that's rusted out. Yes. And you know, you're not an, a fly by night contractor, you're a legitimate business. But then with Instagram, it goes a step further, depending on how you utilize your Instagram account. If you're really showing off not only your quality of work, but taking pictures with your customers, taking pictures with your employees, really focusing on what your employees are doing and how you're doing things to you know, benefit your employees. And giving them the recognition that they deserve. Absolutely. The recognition that they, you know, they, they this is, you know, let's take you and I. Hey, Brian's been out here working his ass off on this yard job, and now this homeowner has been able to salvage a house that was flooding every six months. I give him a pat on the back every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good job, Brian. Dude. You know, I have to Hurry ask for it. Cost but... savings, you guys saved him on their electric bill. What's that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So all of these things play into marketing. Yep. It's establishing a presence, it's establishing legitimacy, and then you need to go out and use these other tools like, you know, whether it's cold calling, whether it's um, direct mail is a really effective tool, uh, whether it's walking around a neighborhood. So one of the things I did with window cleaning, and ultimately this resulted in all of these calls that I got for four years after I shut down the business, uh, my wife and I would go up to the local Kinko's or whatever and print off 500 flyers, dirt cheap. Regular paper, you don't have to have a ton of fanciness, but, you know, focus on what we do, why we're good Make at it. Make it simple and bold. Absolutely. Just very straight to the point. Throw them up there because what people do, like I said, is they throw those on the refrigerator because, hey, we're talking about building a pole barn in yeah. a couple of years. I'm going to save this guy's information. And it just takes, we would go out and we would pepper an entire neighborhood for like two hours. We just walk door to door and just leave it, you know, up on their on on their doorknob. And those are the sort of things that if you take two hours here and there to do, along with your Facebook marketing, along with your Google account, along with your direct mailings, all of this comes together to where within six months to a year, you start really rolling in the calls. Yeah. And that's to kind of go back to our point earlier of 
don't wait until business starts to taper off before you get proactive. Correct. You need to be proactive now because you're investing in six months to a year from now. Yep. And you start the momentum going and all of a sudden it's a snowball down a slope. Yeah. Because you're also adding word of mouth in on top of that as the snowball grows. But you don't want to over-advertise where you can't feed the beast and keep up with it. Well, that's you don't, where, you don't want that's such where a my brain's log. at. Well, but that's, you know, how you combat that is, you know, we talked about supply and demand the other night. You combat that with your yes. pricing. If but you're I, that high in demand, raise your prices up. You'll find that's that equilibrium. You, that's where you start targeting your customers. Because I don't want to be generating leads from somebody that, you know, I don't want to say in a bad way, but they're working at McDonald's thinking they're going to call me to fix their yard. So that was a point that I did. I, I, don't I thought about earlier and I forgot, forgot to bring up. That is a fascinating thing that I didn't find out until I started doing direct mail. It is incredible when you start looking into these databases. So the way direct mail works is you actually go to these, um, I don't even know what you want to call them, like data. There's lots of list providers there, there's out List there. providers. Demographic datas. So that's what you'll search for is demographic data. And it is incredible how much you can drill down a customer. And now all of a sudden in an area of 50,000 people, you have 8,500 customers that you know they make over 150,000 a year. You know they have two kids. You know that they drive two really high-end vehicles. Like the way that you can manipulate that information, and it's the same with call lists. And that if you're pushes your financial. Calling, absolutely. Now all of a sudden, you're able to laser beam focus in on, this is what I want my customer base to be, yep. and I'm only going to shoot mailers to these guys. And by the way, I also have their phone information too. So when I cold call... I'm not cold calling the guy that, that works at McDonald's. I'm cold calling, you know, a bank consultant. I'm cold calling a, a computer programmer. I'm calling all these guys that I know have money. And I also know that they don't have the, the know-how to do no. what we do in the right. skilled trades. But that's the one thing about if you can't realize the selling and the marketing is a full-time job of running a company is your cost isn't ever going to be the same as the next contractor. And that's where you got to know your cost on closing a job and making the. I mean, people think doing the jobs to work is the sale point right there. The sale point is where I make or break my job. The work's just irrelevant. Mm -hmm. The payment's just irrelevant. But your cost isn't going to ever be equivalent to somebody else's. I mean, it might, yeah. if it's a couple hundred bucks, it's okay. That's fine. Yep. But you're not going to ever be the same. So you can't just drop down on price point to say, I'll take that job because yeah. I like the flyers that I will beat anybody's price. Yeah. yeah. I will match or beat the lowest price. I and shake I'm just my head myself, when I see that. Yeah. I'm like, you're running yourself in the ground. But that's the other thing is don't start. The two things I learned in the beginning that I don't do no more is I don't talk price, but with the person of contact. And I don't talk price about the other contractors. I talk my price. Because we're not, if you let them focus on, and this is the other thing in marketing, if you let them focus on someone else, the other contractor and their price and their service, you're already out the door. Yeah. So, and I'm not sitting there saying it in a bad way, but you want to, you want to keep the focus and energy on the service and the sale and the price point and what's what your you're delivering. What's your guys' feelings on, uh, you know, the flyers that say free estimates, you know, 
I'm I'm totally good do, with do a free think, estimate. I, I do yeah. free estimates to a certain point. Yeah. So, so do I. But like, do you think that's a catch all, or do you think you know people just like, oh, it's a free estimate. I'm just going to call all these people. You know, I never put that on anything. You know, me personally. Just so the way I would handle that is with the initial call. All right. So free estimate. Absolutely throw it on your flyer. Yep. And you get the phone call. Hey, I heard you do free estimates. Then We're thinking about doing there. this. That's where, and I that's where you go. Okay. What's your budget? Yep. Well, we don't really know. Okay. Well, what are you trying to accomplish? Yep. Well, we kind of like, if they're super nebulous and they don't know what they're doing, that's a very quick way for you to go. Okay. Well, you know, along the lines of what you're thinking, this is kind of a rough, you know, Ballpark. you're anywhere from five to $10,000, yep. but I really need to know where you're at from a budgetary standpoint. And they're going to go, well, we're not there yet. And that's where you simply go, no problem. Yeah, when you guys it. dial it in, absolutely give me a call. I can come out. You know, that's a great way to open the door. But at the same time, you can vet that call very quickly. Bam, you nailed it. Yep. Yeah. But the other thing is, is like, Glad I got that one. If I, yeah, right? I'm sweating a little. If, <laughs> if somebody calls me at two hours away and I can't price it right over the phone, they want me to come out. You you throw a mobilization fee to them, mm-hmm. you know, of your time of 200 bucks, 250 yeah. bucks a out. But what, really gets into like the complex bigger jobs is when this job that I'm looking at is when you're looking at certain jobs, it's going to take a lot of fucking time for me to even bid. Yeah. There's a design fee for me to bid this. Oh yeah. So you have so, and that's when you got to recognize you have so much going on that I can't just drop a bomb. I mean, I could tell you how much it's going to be like over inflate, but if you want a realistic number, and you want to get down to the price point because a lot of the people they would, they want to know, and they don't want to be fucked and taken advantage of. But there's a design fee, and then you'll say, "All right." And then after this, you know, I for this price, I will go out and I will go get all the everything quoted, and I will give you a presented number. Yep. If they don't want to take that and they would just want to run, like we talk about the smaller contractor with all the extra change orders, have at it, because I'm not going to sit here. I want to know when I'm getting into a job. I want to know what I'm getting into, so I'm going to bid it so I know at the end. Because when I get into doing all my numbers, I want to be within $200 of where I thought I was going to be or I get pissed. Yep. I mean, hopefully it's it's in the positive, but if I start running backwards because I missed something, I mean, that's where you get in those bigger jobs. I charge people. Mm-hmm. You have to. Yeah. That's business. Your time, you delegate your time to a value. So as a guy that's not in the trades, but everything we're talking about, you know, revolves around quality and, and, uh, uh, charging for that. How do you convey that to people? Are there, are there awards you can get? Are there, so one of the things that I think would be effective as you're talking about outreach is testimonials from other clients, for example, on a website, on Facebook or whatever. A lot of reviews. Yeah, so what what kinds of things can you do to convey? I do think you can communicate that I'm not the cheap person. If you want that, that's not where I'm yeah. playing, right? But how do you do that? So I, I talk to a lot of them, and by the end of the job, I ask for a review. When you take that last, when you take that last check, that means job completed. Yep. If they don't pay that check and there's a discrepancy on the job, you have an issue. Yep. Right. So you you provide that service that just blows it out of the water every time. And sometimes you got to eat shit to get the cake. Sometimes you miss something that you need to recognize as a contractor in any aspect that, fuck, I didn't do that. It's going to cost me some money. You can't go back and charge that homeowner because you gave them a set price. Mm -hmm. 
Now, if it's a big chunk of something, time out. And there's clauses on the contract and everything that protect you on this. But sometimes, you know, on a $10,000 job, for example, it just sticks the in my head. The clause and your integrity yes. are, you know. But on just like a $10,000 job, I'm not going to walk up to a homeowner and go, you owe me $400 because I fuck something up or I missed something. Mm-hmm. I eat it because if you didn't profit money in your job, for four hundred dollars, it's not worth it. You're fucking. Yeah, you're yeah. screwed. Your profit margin so small. Up. Yeah. But at the end, I ask them for a review. I ask everybody for a review, but I don't say give me a good one. I say just give me a review. Give me your perspective, your review. And I mean that's that's what comes on because it's these people that we talked about with all the social media. They're interviewing you. Not only are they looking at your biography and what titles you have and the people you have in your equipment, and what's wrote down. They're looking at the reviews. Yeah. Because if you want to find something that you don't like, social media is going to tell you who not to it's call. Out you hard. What they what they have done into interacting. Right. So the reviews are huge. Word of mouth is huge. And then finder fees. I mean, if someone refers you, that's where I was going to get you at. could don't oversell a finder fee of like, I'll give you 10%. You fuck yourself. Yeah. But you know, a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, a gift I, card, a gas card. Uh, just a like a bigger job, like a bigger job, ten, five grand, ten grand, what, wherever you want to put the limit on a job. A thank you card, mm-hmm. a personalized card to them. Like if you're in and out in a couple of days, so be it. But when you start interacting, I mean, Brian's been out there with me at numerous properties, two, three weeks, once in a while. Repeat customers the following year. You build a bond. The the kindness and the thank you of. Here's a here's a going out to dinner card. Give them some money back because what people also like, they're handing you the money and trusting you. That courtesy coming back to them is huge. Is so yeah. It's like wildfire. It, it shows that them. you value them the as much as they're valuing Correct. you. <laughs> and um, so that's that's really what I want to say on the word of mouth part of it. Oh, I will say just kind of along the lines of what you were saying. It. Uh, this is where the trades cover such a diverse, uh, there's so many things that you can be into. So, you know, my immediate thought is like, if you're into landscaping or residential work, if you really want to kind of establish where the bar is initially, uh, a great way to do that is to maybe include on that flyer or whatever it is, include your Instagram link and really showcase your work on your Instagram. And this is where a lot of guys in the trades do a poor job. We take our little, our little, phone out and we take this horribly washed out picture and we throw it up on Instagram and that's our advertising. Literally go on YouTube and spend an hour watching some YouTube videos on how to take quality pictures with your camera phone. Maybe get even, there are free applications like Lightroom that you can get for your phone where you can edit those pictures. You can dial in the contrast and the colors and everything. You can do YouTube tutorials that will walk you through that in a half hour to where it's not this shitty picture. I'm going to do that tonight. Yeah, you should. <laughs> it's it's not a shitty picture. Yeah. Like you can really make it Yeah. make it look nice. And and by including that link, people are the first thing, no one wants to talk to anyone on the phone initially. Yeah. They want to do all their homework first. And so the first thing they're going to do if you include include that link is they're going to go to your Instagram. Well, if you've got a ton of really high quality pictures, that automatically sets the tone of I'm not your cheap contractor. But look at the work I do. It, yeah. It's showing them what they're going to get yes, for the value. This is quality work. 
I'm not cheap, but you're going to walk away with an outstanding deck. You're yep. going to walk away with an outstanding landscape. You know, um, that's where you can kind of set that tone. When you move up into your bigger contractors that are bigger dirt contractors, uh, whether you're working business to business, that's where I would say that's where you're really going to play up. Who are my past customers? You know, I worked with so-and-so builder, so-and-so builder, so-and-so. These are my customers and they're known names in the industry. Yep. And that's how you establish it. Oh, oh, he's one of the 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 primary dirt guys for, you know, Hunter Pastor Homes or yep. Pulte Homes. Okay, this guy's legit. legit. He's he does quality work. And that's how you kind of establish yourself. Yeah. And and that's really it is you've got to kind of set the tone initially for how that conversation is going to go. Look, if you call me, you're knowing I'm not the cheapest, but I'm also not going to fuck you. And I'm not going to show up with my little backhoe, take five days to dig a basement, leave it in total shambles. And then I take half of your deposit and take off and you never hear from me again. Yeah. That's kind of where you set that tone. And as a starting up business owner, you know, and the residential field, you know, I follow a bunch of Instagram, you know, remodelers and stuff and you just see everything's perfect. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I sit there and I, I look back at my jobs. Like, it doesn't go that perfect. They're that beautiful at the end. So, you know, they, they paint these beautiful pictures and your mindset as a small business owner, you think that's what it should be the whole time. And it's like, so there's a lot of unknown things that happen that make it that great. So, so that's, it is interesting uh, because the trades is so different from other companies because, you know, if you, banking is a perfect example, how do you show, outside of bar graphs, how do you show the results of your work? But the trades, when we're done, the picture. there's a deck yep. or there's a retaining wall or there's this beautiful lot where there used to be just woods. And so that's where I highly encourage people. It does not take a photographer to go out and capture good pictures. Yep. It takes 30 minutes on YouTube, learning about how to take shots from the right angle, taking five minutes. And this is the small stuff. Take five minutes to pick up all your shit. Don't have the air compressor out there with your hoses running all over and your nail oh, gun yeah. sitting there. Cigarette clean, butts. Yeah. Clean it up bot, a little bit. Yep. Make it look nice. Then yep. take your shot. Take your shot in an angle where it doesn't just like here's a deck and all the shit underneath it with the sawdust and everything. Take it from an angle where maybe you're up on the deck overlooking the railing that overlooks this really scenic picture. And that way you showcase your work, but it's got a backdrop that really highlights yeah. the beauty of the scenery. Most definitely. That you're accenting with your work. It doesn't, it's not rocket science. It really does feel like it sometimes, but it's not rocket science. And that's where the trades, I think if you just took 30 minutes to an hour to educate yourself, you could really take it to the next level. Um, and then again, take another 30 minutes to an hour to learn how to use Lightroom on your phone to go in there and tweak that picture and just make it stand out a little more. And now all of a sudden that really mediocre picture that you were going to take now it comes out looking like a rock star. Like this is a stellar deck and it's beautiful. And now all of a sudden a customer looks at that and goes, okay, I want that. And I'm willing to pay for that. Mm -hmm. So definitely. you got to, you got to also be able to be up front with them and tell them the steps and the progress, what's going to happen. I know it doesn't work for all the trades in general, but like when I do a complete makeover in their yard, I'm straight up up front honest with them. I'm like, I'm going to fuck your shit up. I, and that's another good point is, <laughs> yeah. is like, I'm going to blow this side. Communication. Yeah, but the other thing is, uh, 
sometimes your finished picture doesn't happen at the end of the job. No. It's it's fairly common with what Rick and I do that I go back six weeks, maybe even two or three months later. And sometimes it's a and, year. Yeah. And then when I the take, stuff grows back. And then yeah. I take my pictures yeah. because now you have all of the grass in. Excuse me. You really get to highlight the, you know, especially if you're doing like decks and you've got this beautiful deck. And now you've got the grass growing in that really pops against that deck color. The homeowner put their hot tub in, and now you have this really completed livable you can set space. The stage. Yeah. It's not just an empty deck that's clearly just constructed. Correct. Now it's like, oh wow, this is incredible! How beautiful this deck is with the hot tub and with the barbecue there. They've got their fire table sitting out. That's when you take your pictures. You do have to be strategic. It doesn't take a ton of effort. No. It just takes five minutes of thought yep. of going, you know what? I'm going to make a note in my calendar. I got to return back. on this date. And- exactly. And talk with the homeowner. Yeah. Make sure it's okay. Go take your pictures yeah. then. Because how many bathrooms I've done, the glass isn't installed, but I'm done. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it comes in six, seven weeks later. Exactly. And I'm so busy. I make my make notes. I double back, check in. Make yeah. sure they're show happy the with value. Everything. Show yeah. the finished and then product. It's beautiful. Yep. You know? But you take you take the progress pictures also. I make sure so, I'm in the reflection of the mirror though. <laughs> right. But you gotta take the progress Man, pictures. Motherfucking <laughs> <laughs> hey, are you doing it on the throne? Oh yeah. <laughs> Selfie. But you gotta, you gotta also, use it. You gotta also take the progress pictures though, just to give somebody that's never done like when you get you get working with the homeowners, it's personable. Yeah. You're up in their shit, literally. Yeah. So you're in you, their master bedroom, yeah. yeah, in their bathroom, absolutely, where they used to take a piss and shit well, every like, night. You're inviting them; they're inviting you up into everything their livelihood yeah. is. Like you see their routine, you see who they are. It's you a see mess. Everything about and it. they think that's embarrassing. I'm like, dude, you are a real person. And I'll know? tell you another thing to, that that just comes to mind that really, when we were doing window cleaning, stands out to me. Um, those little cloth booties. That you wear over your shoes. Bingo, bango. That was huge for homeowners. And it's so small. Yeah. I want to say for a pair of those booties, you were like 50, you were out 15 bucks. Nothing. For a billion pairs. Well, no, no. I'm talking like the the like official ones that you can wash, throw in the wash or whatever. Get you oh. two or three pairs of those suckers, Man. throw them in the washer. But that's where you go back to the social media. Put pictures of of yep. your employees or you or whoever in the home with the booties on. Protecting their assets. Exactly. Someone as a homeowner goes, oh, these guys aren't going to come in and not give a shit about my wood floors. They're yep. going to mar up the floors. They're going to mar up the walls because they're carrying their ladders upstairs and yep. they don't give a shit. Instead, it's look at the care that they're taking to do the project. Yep. Those are the sort of things that you have to think about as a contractor that that's where a homeowner again Added goes, into your you're not the too. cheapest I'm willing to pay for that because Correct. I don't want a bunch of drywall repairs. Nope. I don't want my really expensive hardwood hardwood floors getting fucked up. Yeah. That's what homeowners think about. You have to think about it from that perspective. Yep. You got you got to treat it like it's your own place. Absolutely. And you got to go at about it the way they would do it or better. So that's what starts separating you apart. Trust and me, that, I've shown that's up, marketing. I've shown up to jobs, you know, or quotes, you know, bids and I'm sitting there like, "Oh my gosh, I forgot to bring my booties sure. or, or a towel or something. And it's so embarrassing being like, but you, you're there. Take the boots off though. So you take your you're boots all off. Good. But then you have mismastering socks. <laughs> oh man. Then, <laughs> my mother-in-law would throw a fit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny. You know, things but, like that. But you got to think about, you got to think about when you take the time, yep. 
Well, you put your clipboard down because you're out there doing a bit. You put your clipboard down. Go. Let me take my shoes off. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, the homeowner's like, no, no, don't worry don't about worry it. About you it. go. No, I want to take my boots off, right. even though. It seems like such a small thing it's in the huge. homeowner's mind. Yeah, like yeah. that's a step. Don't that's ever setting ask the scene. if you can take your boots off or yeah. can I leave my shoes on? Right. No, no, take no, no, them, no. Take off them off or absolutely bring the proper precautions. Absolutely. Booties. Yeah, absolutely. Always go out with protection, you know. That's what she said. <laughs> I think we need to end it on that note because <laughs> so yet again, believe it or not. We're sitting at like two hours right now. We've managed to stretch this out into two hours yet again, even though even well, though Dave, Rick was adamant we shouldn't do it. Dave, thanks for coming. And well, back yeah, absolutely. Thanks it was for wonderful. having me. So to be back good to be on. with my son, so grandkids, all that stuff. Yeah, it's been a good time. So uh, as always, if you guys have any comments, any questions, if you want to get a hold of us, head over to dieselandironproductions.com. And I do want to congratulate Matt motherfucking Totten for, for being making, the third chair. Making the, Thanks making for bringing the me on. It's official. So <laughs> you guys have a... Go ahead. No, no, no. Legit. Go ahead. I feel like a new man. That's it. <laughs> Matt motherfucking Totten. Matt motherfucking Totten. You guys have a great evening. We'll catch you next week on Sweat and Grind.